0: amen amen you may take your seats just want to say really quickly before I actually ask you to stand again for the reading of the word Um, let's keep pastor Keith in prayer this morning he's teaching um, at another church this morning and so um, as God will see fit I'm standing on this morning but let's as we go throughout our service let's keep him on our minds that um, God will be with him and not only that God will be with him but just as Miss Cindy prayed for this house but that also that house will not only hear the word that he gives them but it would heed to the word amen stand again here's my worship I pray when we were singing that unto the Lord that we didn't limit worship to the song and music but that we understood the weight of those words here's my worship here's my lifestyle here's my mind here's my decisions that I make here's my intentions amen let's go to God's holy word we're gonna be coming this morning from Micah seven and seven Dana I thank God for your ministry gift amen Thank you for visiting with us and leading us in worship this morning. Micah 7 and 7, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. and It says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Therefore, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And just for fun, because you have to be careful with the text. We don't necessarily preach from the message version, but I feel like it gives us something different. So I put it up on the screen. Let's read it. Same verse, Micah 7 and 7. The message version says, but me, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking around to see what God will do. I'm waiting for God to make things right. I'm counting on God to listen to me. You may have your sins. Oh, God, we thank you this morning. You know, Pastor Keith has us on this sermon series where he's teaching about living a disciplined life. He's probably going to get me for this, but as I scan and see so many empty seats, it's not necessarily about packing out a house, but I'm thinking of faces that I'm seeing missing, and some are out of town. Some have other endeavors, but it just reveals how much more we need this word. (sighs) Pastor Keith has been teaching us that if we're truly going to be Christ's disciples, then we can't live this unyielding and this unruly life and call ourselves disciples. But we we must have discipline. How could we ever be effective disciples living any kind of way? You're not really a disciple. You just like Jesus and you like his teachings and you like religious things. If you're really going to be a disciple it requires discipline and that's what we've been learning so when pastor keith asked me to teach on this i said give me your notes because <laughs> i'm still learning how to be disciplined but god laid something on my heart and i started thinking about this and i realized that as it relates to the topic of discipline most often when it's discussed it's centered around this concept of action right Which makes sense in a way because we need to do something. But typically when it comes to discipline, the focus is primarily on movement or what we need to do more of. I need to be more disciplined. Minister Chantelle and I was talking about this when we traveled last week. I got to exercise more. Got to eat healthier. I got to study more. I got to stretch. I got to balance my time more. All of that is centered around action. So often our discussion of discipline is centered around activity. However, what I have witnessed is that for many of us, the most difficult discipline, Sarah, good to see y'all. Guess y'all being disciplined, we had to talk about discipline. I've witnessed that for many of us, the most difficult discipline to engage in is really that which requires little to no action. And that is the discipline to wait. That's what we struggle with. We'll start new meal plans. We'll secure gym memberships like me and never go. We'll order new Bible study books. Oh, what tools you use? I need to learn this. I need to do this. All of that to help us to get into the word. We'll join online prayer groups. We'll do so much to try to become more disciplined. But yet we still struggle with it. We still struggle. So why do we struggle? Are we struggling because we just don't want to do it? That's part of it. We're tired of doing it. We don't have the time to do what we say we want to be disciplined. That's part of it. But I don't think that's the core of it. I believe underneath even the most intentional and purposeful pursuit to be disciplined is really our inability to yield to the discipline of being able to wait. Are you all staying with me? A little bit more teachy than we're used to. But I believe underneath all of that, our pursuits to be disciplined, really what we struggle with is not doing more, but we really struggle with this issue of learning how to wait. For many of us at the heart of our inability to become more disciplined is really our failure to be disciplined while waiting. So we must ask ourselves, how trained are we at waiting? Many of us know I ran cross-country for many years. You do not just wake up and run 3.1 miles. You have to train for that consistently. During the summer, even when school was not in, you have to train for that. And the same is true with waiting. You have to train yourself to learn how to wait. We know we need to lose weight and what it takes to be healthier, but often we lack the discipline to wait for the results. That's why diet fads are so popular. That's why people want to learn about little teas that you can take and drink and try to shed 20 pounds and then you're fat the next week again. We don't like waiting. We want something quick. We want it quick. We struggle with it spiritually. Oh, I want to grow more spiritually, so I'm gonna just start doing stuff around the church. Well that's that's okay, that's good, but that's not gonna help you grow spiritually. Not quickly. You still have to wait. And it's not rocket science with growing spiritually, you gotta pray, you gotta study, you gotta be consistent, you gotta be amongst the believers all of that we know that but yet we still can't do it because our problem is not with doing our problem is learning to wait yeah. so dif- discipline as I said is often associated with action in the sense of doing but I want us to step aside for a second pastor Keith will be back next week to chop our heads off with his word but I want us to look at discipline through the lens of just being It's going to require a little bit of action per se, but I want us to look at it from a passive sense of God, how do I learn to wait? How am I disciplined to wait? And I believe that Micah is demonstrating this in just one verse. Now, here's the thing. If you read this one verse that we just read, it's like, oh, that's cute. But if you never read everything before and what comes after, then you will miss the true weight of what's going on when Micah says this. Micah, who is considered one of the minor prophets, is basically God's mouthpiece for judgment during this time. Everyone don't look at Minister Dominique. He's just bringing a baby. There's a lot going on in Micah 7. There's a lot going on in Micah 1 through 6. From what we know, not only are things bad, but it's about to get worse. But in the midst of chaos, we find this verse, amid things not being quite right not, not only corporately as a nation, but individually for families, he changes gears. So he's speaking doom and gloom. He's saying, listen, this is going to be some bad situations coming because he's God's mouthpiece. He's a prophet. And he's saying that it's going to get worse. But in the midst of all of that, he shifts gears in this one verse and he says, but for me, I'm not giving up. I'm going to stick around and see what God will do. And I believe that we can learn how to be disciplined in a lot of areas, but if we don't yield to the discipline of waiting, then we're going to experience constant failure and a lack of fruit. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want us to dig in this one verse and see what we can glean from it. We're going to pick it up bit by bit. Amen. Let's go to the first point. Let's look at the first portion of the the text. It says, therefore, I will look to the Lord right away with one word we see Micah is intentional. He says, therefore, most versions, when I studied it, it says, but as for me, so when you see the word, therefore think of, but as for me, that's the phrase that he's using. He says, but as for me, I will look to the Lord, which is basically him affirming his subject. If you're taking notes or you're looking at the screen, you're watching online, that's what you want to put down affirming his subject. He's demonstrating to you and I that when there is chaos, when there is confusion, All around, you have to establish what it is that you're going to focus on. Real basic, but powerful. Nation all jacked up. Policies played with prejudices. Family members still acting crazy. Job situation still not quite right. But as for me, I will separate myself is what Micah is saying. From all of that, and I will affirm what it is I choose to focus on, and that is the Lord. That's why he says, therefore, I will look to the Lord. How do I yield to this discipline of waiting? You affirm your subject, which involves you separating yourself from the chaos around you and looking to that which is divine. That doesn't mean I run away. Because we love to do that. In the midst of chaos, when life gets hard, when we start feeling depressed, what well, we say, oh, I need to book a little trip. Just got to get away for a little bit. And there's nothing wrong with that. But escapism doesn't solve the problem. Because it's chaos and it's confusion. So you book that trip and now you're just out of money and you got to come right back into the same mess. You got to wake up to the same reality. And if you've dealt with chaos like I have in life sometimes, you take that trip and that chaos still on your mind. Taking another trip far away and detaching emotionally doesn't fix anything. And it forfeits the benefits of what you learn when you have to be disciplined by this thing called waiting. So if you run away or you check out spiritually, you disconnect from certain people, you lay in the bed and you wallow in your personal circumstances or those closest to you, you're going to be unfruitful. i am gonna tell you that right now. Ain't that much studying in the world is going to keep you. If you don't know how to wait. You can wallow in it all day long. And when you get back up, the situation is still going to be there. And really, when you see people who do this consistently, because we all have our rough days, when you see this happening consistently, what it really is is just an indication that your eyes are on the wrong thing. So when I meet people in my life, they're constantly, oh, Lady Serena, I'm just going through. Again, all of us going through, that's life. That's the definition of life, going through, (laughs) passing through a journey. A plight. But when you are unfruitful and you're going through and you are consistently wallowing and stuck, that just tells me that your eyes are on the wrong thing. Your attention is affixed on the wrong subject. You're focused on them and this and God is trying to get you to focus on him. You're concentrating on all what needs to be worked out and what's still lacking. and He's trying to get you to concentrate on the one who works and does not lack. Cindy just said it in her prayer, because you said that we can come to you and you're omnipresent. You already know. He already knows the chaos and the confusion that's around you. It's your issue. You have not affixed your attention on him. Listen to what Proverbs 4 and 25 says. It tells us, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Right before you. If you're undisciplined in the area of waiting, there is a good chance that your subject has not been truly affirmed. You hear it all the time in people's speech. Oh, I'm just going through God. Uh, I'm just trying to trust God. No, you're not. You're not. Your focus is off. Your focus is off. You need to focus on him. One author put it this way. It's hard to be down when you're looking up. It's real true. Michael was in the midst of chaos. And if you read it in its entirety, you will notice that he was in a waiting season. It was a lot going on when he said this word, these words. Everything wasn't well. It was chaos when he says it. The Lord's promises had not come through yet. Relief had not come. The bill had not been paid. The nation had not been fixed. The job situation had not been worked out. The relationship was still jacked up, but he was disciplined and waiting. He didn't fall out. He didn't throw in the towel and say, forget this. I've already declared this word to these people. He says, no, as for me, I will look to God. Affirming his subject as to similar to how we too should do. Amen. Let us continue and see what else Micah says. Look at, look at portion B. He says, I will wait for the God of my salvation. So a disciplined wait involves not only affirming our subject, but it also declares the source of our guarantee. So stay with me. I'll unpack it. It basically means I'm not just looking to God vaguely, but I am deliberate about what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. In other words, I'm acknowledging my surety. If you're taking notes, that's your second point. Acknowledge your surety. If I am disciplined and waiting, then my language is different. I might have moments and days, but I'm not constantly walking around aimlessly, hoping something happens. I just pray God come through. I just hope he do it. Okay. I carry this assurance with me when I acknowledge surety that even though chaos is around me and stuff is not lining up, I know for certain that God is my salvation. That's why Micah says, this. he says, as for me, I will look to the Lord and I will wait for the God of my salvation. So yes, I'm human. I will have rough days, but because I'm disciplined and waiting, my language is different. I will wait on the God of my salvation. He's intentional. He's, he's deliberate. He doesn't say, Oh, I hope God comes through. He says, I will wait on the God of my salvation. I love the message version that we just read. He says, I'm sticking around to see what God is going to do when I'm disciplined in my waiting. I acknowledge my guarantee in the fact that God is a deliverer, that he's a preserver, that he's a redeemer, and that he's my personal lifeline. He says, the God of my salvation. He didn't say this, the God of the salvation of, of Israel. He said the God of my salvation is personal. To be disciplined and waiting is to truly acknowledge your surety in God because you can't wait effectively without the truth. The truth of him being our salvation rests at the core of our faith. If I don't know him to be a personal savior, the God of my salvation, then do I even know him at all? Oh, I'm just waiting on the Lord to come through. No, I will wait on the God of my salvation. I know that thing. That sits at the core of who, who are you waiting on? What are you even waiting on if you don't really know him to be a personal rescuer? no. That's why no one, and I repeat it often my testimony with molestation and all of that, because I know him personally. No counselor didn't have to tell me that. He rescued me out of that situation and then continued to redeem me through my healing process. I know him Personally, so when something goes on, I said I'm gonna wait on the Lord, the God of my salvation, and that's how we ha- are to wait. Yeah. That rests at the core of my faith. If I don't know Him to be my the God of my salvation, this isn't just Bible language. You got to be careful because we just read through and we flip through. This isn't just light stuff. If I know Him to be the God of my salvation, then I wait differently. I'm not falling out of the race. I may be depressed today, but I'm getting up tomorrow. Because he's the God of my salvation. So we see the psalmist saying in Psalms 25 and 5. He says, lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. So I don't care if it takes every day. I'm going to be disciplined in waiting with assurance. He says, you are the God of my salvation. On you will I wait all day. I can't stand this. I'm going to deviate a little bit. I can't stand When people say, well, I tried the church thing and I tried to wait on God, but he didn't come through. He is not bound by time. And he definitely does not move according to our time. If you knew all that tells me when people throw in a towel too soon and by too soon, it could be a couple years. Really, what it tells me is that you don't know him personally, because if you knew him personally as the God of your salvation, then you know he's going to be a man of his word and he's going to come through. So I don't care if it takes five years for the relationship to work out. He's the God of my salvation. It's personal. He will redeem me and he will rescue me. So, yeah, we can look to the Lord, as I said in the first point, but that's not enough to be disciplined and waiting. We also need to be sure of whom we are waiting on. You're you're not going to wait well. You're not going to be able to wait while you're in between jobs. You're not going to be able to wait when you're having relationship issues. You're not going to be able to wait when you have issues in your family and you're going through different things, whether it's grief, whether it's finances. You're not going to be able to wait if if you're not sure of whom you are waiting on. Really, all you're doing is just taking blows, just getting beat up every day. You have to know that at the core of your faith that I'm waiting on the God of my salvation. Amen. Let's look at this last part. We're not going to be here long. Micah then goes on and he says this. He says, my God will hear me. Now, give me a second to unpack this. I told you earlier that Micah was in the midst of chaos, which is something that we're not foreigners to. Sometimes it seems like if it's not one thing, it's another. Am I the only one? As soon as you clear one thing, you'd be like, God, dog. Oh. Or as soon as you try to push away and be Christ-like with one person, somebody call, you'd be like, I know you lying. I know you lying. Always chaos, there's always something going on. Sometimes I put my phone on, do not disturb, like, I'm going to get a little peace They wake up, be more chaos. I was like, okay, whatever. We're not foreigners to that. Even when it doesn't affect us directly, it always seems like it's going on, something going on with somebody close to you. Like, is something going to again? So it still affects you. The thing about chaos, whether private or public, small or great, do you realize that it's always noisy? You know that's, notice that? When chaos is going on with us, and those, or those close to us, or even just in the land, like the pandemic, the civil unrest, all of that is noisy. And it has a sneaky little way of invading our minds. Y'all stand with me? I can be sitting at the desk, and because I just talked to somebody close with me who's going through chaos, my mind started thinking about it. I'm trying to work out or do whatever. That's not true. That's a lie. I don't work out that much. I do stretch trying to stretch and stuff start to come up. It's noisy and sometimes it's subtle and just aggravating. And it's like in the back of your mind, you're going on, you're going through the motions. You do got up, you went to work, but it's still there. Like you carry it with you. And other times it's just overt and distracting, but no matter how it affects us, chaos creates noise and the right amount of noise can be disturbing. And if you don't believe me, then go serving you church. Y'all laughing, but we do need some volunteers. The right amount of noise is disturbing. And in seasons of waiting, not always, but often we wait in chaos, which basically means we wait in noise. We wait in disturbing noise. We wait and the relationship is still jacked up. I still got to get up and look at your face. Since Pastor Keith like to put our business out there, we got in a spat last night. I'm tired now because we were, oh, I felt like you had did this. I feel it's 11 o'clock. You got to preach and I got to teach. Go to bed. (laughs) Still waiting on the Lord to work some stuff out. We wait and the addiction is still present. I have family members that suffer from addiction. So I'm waiting on the Lord to do a thing, but I still got to deal with the symptoms of what happens when you have a person addicted, we wait and our bodies still aren't healed, still feeling pain in different areas. We wait and the job still hasn't come through. Not always, but often when we wait, we wait in chaos, which really means that the act of waiting has this potential to be a time of noise and distraction. You understand? We're waiting on God to come through typically it's gonna be noisy and distracting I'm waiting for you to heal me it's still noisy and distraction so what do we do how do we remain disciplined with noise and distraction all around us how do you wait on God for a family member who's still making crazy decisions how do you do that well you are attuned with his sound that's the third point what does that mean what does the word attune mean? it means to bring into harmony It's the thing that Ari and Bree try to do for me every Sunday. Musically, they try to bring me into harmony. So we thank God for Dana's gift this morning. It means to alter. Thank you, Chantel, for catching that joke. You're a good friend. (laughs) It means to alter or adjust. That's what attune means. So when Micah says, God, my God will hear me. He's demonstrating to us that even in the midst of chaos and noise and distractions all around us, our God is undisturbed. He is not bothered by all that's going on. He will still hear you. We're disturbed by it because we're believing God and we're praying, but we're waking up and we still want to punch people in the face. But God has said, I'm not bothered by that. I'm not bothered by that. And that's important for us to know because it's the thing that keeps us disciplined while we wait, being attuned to his sound. Micah knows God will hear him because he has heard God. The sound around us is loud, it's invasive, and it's disturbing. But when we are aligned to him, when we're attuned to his sound, which is calming and assuring, I can hear him. And then I know he hears me. And that grounds me and it keeps me while I wait. Though his voice is sovereign, I want you to know that it's subtle. Okay? We live in chaos. God does not live in chaos. We live in noise. God does not live in noise. So though his voice is sovereign, for us, it's subtle. We see a demonstration of this playing out with Elijah in 1 Kings 19 and 10 and 12. Look at this. This is... um, Elijah speaking to God at first, he says, I have been zealous for the Lord and the God of hosts, but the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. These people are crazy. They have basically broken their commitment to you. They've torn down your altars. I'm paraphrasing here and kill your prophets with the sword. And then he goes on because he's dramatic. He says, I'm the only one left and they are seeking my life as well. Chaos. There's chaos going on. Then listen to how the Lord responds. He says, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord and behold, the Lord is about to pass by. In other words, I'm about to reach you because you got chaos going on. I'm about to reach you. And then listen what it says. It says, and a great and mighty wind tore into the mountains and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And if the earthquake wasn't in us, it says after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still, small voice. And we know if we continue reading that verse that Elijah covered his face and he responded to the voice of the Lord. I can't remain disciplined in the weight if I'm not attuned to the sound of the Lord. And his sound is subtle. Mountains crashing, fire, earthquakes. None of that was representative of his voice. All that chaos and noise, people speaking into your life, conferences, just noise people trying to give counsel, noise, noise, noise. You trying to work it out, looking up stuff on YouTube, noise. God says that's noise. I know how to reach you. I'm subtle and quiet and I will come and speak. And if we are to remain disciplined, you're going to have to learn how to hear that subtle voice because it's the only sovereign voice. I didn't say, it doesn't say it explicitly, but as you read this, Pastor Keith is going to get me when he breaks this lesson apart because it doesn't say it explicitly, but as you read this passage passage of scripture and all that followed, there's a confidence that you can tell didn't originate with human confidence. Micah could have said, and I will make this plea that the Lord please hear me, but he didn't do that. He said, no, deliberately and clearly, he said, my God will hear me. In the midst of all this mess, It's not too loud for him. It's not too distracting. I'm going to remain patient and disciplined in my weight because I know he will most definitely reach me, speak to me, and align me with his sound, which is calming and reassuring. My God will hear me. We see David saying in Psalms 40 and 1, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Many of you know this testimony. Part of my life, we were, um, I heard somebody say this at the conference I was at. Keith and I have been married, this November will be 14 years, been together 16 years. So she, she said, we had two years in sin, if you count. <laughs> so we had two years in sin. But all throughout that, we, we were praying for a child and the child didn't come. We were praying and we were praying and the child didn't come. Um, the ninth year, uh, going into the 10th year, the Lord inclined his ear to me. And he heard. We have to have this guarantee and this assurance. Doctors telling me one thing, people telling me another thing. Oh, you got a little time. Oh, you got it. all of it distracting me, mind games playing in my mind. But I'm so grateful for the one day I sat at that table, and God said, "I remember you, and I'm going to incline my ear, and I'm going to answer you." I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined His ear to me, and He heard my cry. If I'm going to be disciplined in my weight, I must be attuned to his sound. Because remember, we live in chaos. He does not. Attune means to align and adjust. That means in the midst of stuff going on, I'm going to remain settled, patient, calm, and not in this false sense, but I mean, I really mean that thing. He gives me peace and chaos. He gives me assurance in the face of calamity. My brother always joke. He says, you are the most calm person (laughs) in the midst of chaos. Not always. I have my days, but I know in whom I trust. And really, it's nothing I can do, especially if I didn't bring the chaos on myself. It ain't nothing I can do. People call me. I'm like, I heard that little sound on Facebook. All I can do is pray for you, baby. I can't do nothing. All I have to do is trust in the one who is my personal salvation. And I have to stay attuned to his sound or else I'll participate in the chaos. I'm done. Once again, I think Micah in this one verse gives us such a beautiful blueprint on how to wait. How do I be more disciplined? How do I live a disciplined life if I lack discipline? There's a good chance if you lack discipline, you're going to be unsuccessful in your pursuits. Every area in life. That one could desire to be disciplined is undergirded with waiting want to be better at taking care of your health you're gonna have to learn how to wait while you work on it want to be a better student of the word you're gonna to have to wait until the word gets rooted down in you want to be a disciple and a better follower you're gonna have to wait until god burns and consumes some things and adjust your character until you run into some circumstances where people you don't like and you have to serve alongside you have to wait no matter what area of life you want to go to school you gotta wait Don't just they don't just hand you degrees. You got to wait. There's a work. Don't believe me. Ask Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. We love words to be spoken over us. God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Then he got to wait. Don't even have a child. Wife about 100 years old to have a baby. He had to wait. And He was patient in that wait to a certain degree. Ask Joseph. I'm going to use you to bless your family. This code is representative of how special you are. He got away. <laughs> Get sold into slavery. And a whole nother nation away from his family. Had to wait. Ask David. I'm going to anoint you king of Israel. Over God's people. Pulling him out of his work. And blessing him. You know how special he must have felt in that moment? Now what God? Go wait. Gotta go right back. Clean up sheep stuff. Trim them and do what you need to do until it's that time. Ask the person sitting next to you. Not right now, because we don't want to be a distraction. Check with yourself. I don't care what God has spoken to you, what's over your life, what pursuits or what promises God has told you, whether it be financial, relational, or spiritual. None of us can escape waiting. None of us. And we're going to have to learn y'all to do better at it. We're going to have to learn to do better. Waiting is frustrating at times. It's confusing. Confusion. Confusing, rather. It invites invites doubt and um, discouragement. You know when you're waiting on something? The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes the heart sick. When I'm waiting for God to come through, it opens the door to questioning. Like, God, did you really say it? I have that so often I know that God called Pastor Keith to plant this church and I'll show up and I'm like, I don't know. It starts creating this issue of questioning and it encourages defeat. Waiting is hard. I'm not downplaying it like we should just pick up and trust the Lord and going on. It's hard. It's hard. But I want to let you know that this race is not given to the swift, but to him who will endure. I know the Bible says don't take away or add to it. But if I had to add a word, I would say to them that will endure a weight. It's not comfortable. And as a result, many of us are undisciplined. We're undisciplined. Which is why so many of us struggle while we wait on things. And we forfeit things and we make silly decisions. I told Keith, I was dating this guy before I met Keith met Keith in the spring of 2006. Um, I was getting ready to go back home and I told him had I not truly waited I would have missed him. I would have just rushed that relationship and tried to make something happen but I'm so grateful that the Holy Ghost told me to wait because in and of myself I couldn't do it but the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said you need to wait. I have something better And that's what happens when we're undisciplined and waiting. We make silly decisions. The kids ain't in here so I can say stupid because they'll get me. We make stupid decisions that takes us years to get out of stuff because we didn't wait on God. I feel confident that we've been shown through the word of God how to wait in Him. When we start to feel some of the symptoms of waiting, I pray we remember to affirm our subject. But as for me, Disconnect yourself from the chaos and look to the Lord and I pray that we acknowledge surety that we know that we have this guarantee of God coming through for us and then I also pray that we become attuned to his sound knowing that it's his still small voice that will keep us grounded and aligned and really all of these points that I just gave you in Micah 7:7 could be summed up into one great point if you can't remember all of that language Really, if you're going to wait on God and be disciplined in the waiting, you need an assurance of the sovereign. I just need to know that I'm in his hands. I just need to know that he's going to look out for me and I need to trust that. Amen. That's what Michael was saying. Can we stand? I don't care what's going on around you. How bad things get or how long we must endure. We got to have this assurance of the sovereign and that is this confidence in God. Oh God, how we thank you this morning. How we honor you. I thank you for your word, oh God, that gives us instruction. I thank you that in this dispensation of grace, you didn't leave us. I thank you not only for your word, but I thank you for the Holy Spirit that comes to lead and guide us into all truth. I thank you, oh God, that you didn't just let us suffer in this waiting period until you shall return. But you equipped us with all that we need. God, we're struggling. We're struggling. We're unhealthy because we're undisciplined. We're not good disciples and followers of you because we're undisciplined. We're making silly and crazy decisions because we're undisciplined, God. And all of that is undergirded with one truth that we are undisciplined and waiting on you. And so my prayer on today, God, is not only for the hearer, but for me, the speaker, that you would give us strength to wait. That this word will convict us in a way that it will be a constant reminder of what we are to do while we wait on you. I pray that we continue to set our eyes on you, O God. And we don't focus on what's going around with family members and situations. We understand that we have to attend to those things. But God, even in that, help us to set our eyes on you, O oh Lord. And in the setting of our eyes, O oh God, I pray that you remind us that you are a personal redeemer. That you are the God of our salvation. That you came not only for us collectively, but that you came for us individually. That you know our situations. Your word says that you knew us before you formed us. You know the number of hairs on our head. You know our personalities. You know everything about us. You know our weaknesses. You know our strengths, oh God. And so may we let fear go and lean into the uncomfortability of trusting you. And knowing that you are our personal Savior. Then finally, God, even in the midst of all of that, in the midst of noise, on social media in our homes at our jobs I pray oh God that we will allow ourselves to be attuned to your sound you sit high and we sit low down here is chaos and calamity but up there is peace up there is order up there is perfection and so attune us and align us so that we too may operate in peace, even in the midst of chaos. That's my prayer, God. We gotta do better. God, we gotta do better. We owe you so much more. We owe you so much more. This is our cry and our prayer, that you will help us to be disciplined and waiting, knowing that we do not wait in vain, that you're not a man that you shall lie, nor are you the son of a man that you shall change your mind. That every word that you've spoken, not only corporately for your church, but to us individually, it shall come to pass. So help us to wait with an assurance that something's going to come through. And all will be well, by and by. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.